Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. I'm your host, LG Harrell, and joining me as always is Connor. Connor, how's the quarantine life for you up in Canada, man? Uh, not too bad, you know. I feel like it's a little better than how it's going in the U.S., but, uh, I mean, Canadians are fat Americans, and Americans are fat Canadians all the time, so, yeah. Yeah, well, you guys are probably better because you at least have somebody that knows what he's doing running the country. So, yeah. We I'd like to believe that, yeah. We have an idiot, but that's that's neither here nor there. All right, so it's been a while. Um, we've gone through uh, a couple weeks of free agency in the NFL. The Eagles have made some moves, um, brought back a couple of their own players, didn't, uh, released a, a very important part, part, part of their defense, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But let's kind of talk about the moves that the Eagles have made. They re-signed Jalen Mills to a one-year contract. He'll be playing safety, kind of being like the Romer, um, being all over the field. Um, they re-signed Nate Sudfeld. As of right now, he's the number two quarterback. Something tells me they're going to bring in somebody else, whether that's through the draft or, or after some moves are made. If and when off-season activities open up, um, they could bring in a veteran. And heck, even, maybe they even bring in a Jamin Swinston or a Cam Newton to back up Carson Wentz. You never know. Um, they also brought back Hassan Ridgeway, which just added depth along the defensive line. They brought back Rodney McLeod, who's going to be your, your leader of the defense. Um, while Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox are also leaders, it's kind of hard being leader up front, I think. And that's why, like, Malcolm Jenkins was such a big part of this Eagles defense, as and and not even just because of his play on the field, but his leadership, whether it was on the field, off the field, and, and being a safety where you have to control all levels of the defense. I think that's why Rodney McLeod is going to take over that leadership role. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. And I think one thing that you, you didn't mention in that was durability. The two safeties who we have leading the way now, Jalen Mills has had issues with injuries, um, and Rodney McLeod obviously has had issues with injuries. That's the reason his contract's so so short. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think we're definitely gonna miss Malcolm Jenkins. I mean, you you think about it, he he's a leader within like the NFLPA and stuff. So I mean, he's a le- all around general leader. We don't know about the leadership that we're necessarily getting out of a Jalen Mills or 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 uh, Rodney McLeod. I mean, Rodney McLeod always seems more of a soft-spoken guy. Jalen Mills is a confident guy. He's a loud guy. He's got uh, that swagger. But yeah, he just doesn't strike me as a leader. He just strikes me as a compliment to someone. He would have been a great compliment beside Malcolm Jenkins if we could have found a way to bring Malcolm back. But I mean, ultimately, when we look at the Malcolm Jenkins signing back in, in New Orleans, I think there's a bit more behind-the-scenes stuff that well, we don't know about. I agree with you there because if you think about it, every statement that Malcolm has made, he's mentioned everybody but one person, Howie Roseman. So I think it came down to Howie not wanting him back. Um, and even Jim Schwartz because Jim Schwartz, I mean, we, we don't want to talk about it, but he has a lot of say in what personnel moves get made, at least on the defensive – obviously on the defensive side of the ball. But like a lot of the players that they bring in, Darius Slay, he had him his rookie year in Detroit. Nicole, Nicole Roby Coleman, who – I mean, we'll talk about these guys in a little bit. He had him in Buffalo. Like, he's bringing in guys that he is comfortable with. He loves Jalen Mills. The one thing about Malcolm Jenkins is he's, he's outspoken. He really is. And mm-hmm. he, you know, when he didn't see stuff going right, he went to Jim Schwartz like, dude, we need to, we need to make it simpler. We need to simplify this because these guys don't know necessarily know all the aspects of the defense. So simplify it, make it easy so they don't, they don't have to overthink. And I think that kind of got to Jim Schwartz. And, I mean, I've, I've heard to talk about it and I was thinking about it it seems as if Jim Schwartz might have a little bit more pull than Doug Peterson, which is weird because Doug Peterson is the head coach and they made no offensive. They made no moves on the offensive offensive side of the ball. Obviously the defense is what needed to be fixed and you couldn't go into the season with an entirely new secondary. That's why you had to bring back a Ronnie McLeod. That's why you bring back a Jalen Mills. Yes. He's playing a different position, but now, you know, we'll talk about it. You bring in a, 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 a legit top, probably top five, top 10 corner in the league in Darius Slay, who can legit follow the number one receiver around. Where's Amari Cooper? Line him up across from him, wherever he goes on the field. That's where Darius Slay is going to be. Maybe that maybe there'll be more options for the defensive secondary, you know, in terms of durability, in terms of being able to play, not just playing the left side where, you know, uh, Ronald Darmy, who's, who's, who's with the Redskins, where he wanted to play, or on the right side, and then Mills playing on the one side. And that's it. That's where you stay. You don't follow a receiver around. So it'll be interesting because you got, uh, I mentioned Nicole Roby. 
you know, they're bringing in Will Parks, a Philly kid who's really durable safety. If you wanted to have Mills play that roamer, roaming linebacker-ish type of role and you put uh, McLeod and Parks back in safety. So it's definitely – you could see what they're trying to do. They needed to improve that secondary, did they? Obviously, we don't know yet. They're better at corner, I think, because Darius Slay is better than anybody that we've had since Asante Samuel. Um, at safety, we don't know because Malcolm Jenkins played every snap even on special teams, didn't miss a practice, didn't miss a game, didn't miss a snap, didn't miss anything. So will that impact what the defense is going to do in the long term? I think from a, a safety perspective, it was a complete patch job. I think that we need... Well, not with they, McLeod, not with, not with no, McLeod. Not with McLeod, but like, let's just, but like, think about it from that perspective. You have this, this guy, your lead safety for two more years. He's getting older. He's had injury issues. Durability questions come into he play. He played really well last year, though. He did play really well last year, but I mean, these things still come into play. I just, I think it's a patch job because you have a two-year window now at the safety position, and it guarantees you have to address it through the draft at some point it's been such a neglected position through the draft such a neglected position from the standpoint of well, of like you can only claim unimportance of a position for so long look well, at the, the linebacker thing, position look the at the secondary I, the one thing i disagree with you when it comes to safety is they have avante maddox who they like a lot i don't see him as an outside corner and he played really well as safety was it two years ago so you know, they'll have McLeod for two years and they're, they're going to see what they have in Mills. If Mills could play that safety position, they'll give him a long-term contract. And he's still, what, 26? So he's still young. Mm-hmm. I don't see this as being a patchwork because they have the bodies that could play the safety. The patchwork is linebacker. You know, that's where they're patchworking it because they always bring in these undersized, faster, like Nate Jerry was a safety in college. Um, Jatavis Brown, who, who we didn't mention, I'm pretty sure he was a safety in college. So they're bringing in these guys that, that, that really aren't linebackers. They're special teamers that are masquerading as linebackers in the NFL. That's where the patchwork is. But I don't that's, see, but that's I don't what see there likes. being a patchwork. I know. I don't see there being a patchwork at the safety position because McLeod is 29 or 30, something like that. He still has the ability to play another two, three, four years if he can stay healthy, obviously. And I mentioned Mills, 26. Avante Maddox is 24, I think, something like that. He's probably better off as a safety. So in two years, he can – you know, revert back to that safety role. He, we know he can play it. So when you say that the, it's patchwork at safety, I disagree with you in them terms, but at other parts of the defense, like linebacker, yes, definitely 100%. They're patchworking it, and that's where they need to find a way to, to bring in some guys that can actually that, – that are actual linebackers. Is TJ Edwards that guy? He could be, but he's still undersized. Um, Nate Jerry, yeah, I guess we all, for, for we me, all know for, we all know my feelings on Nate Jerry. For, so. for me, for me, it's it's a patchwork because there's so many ifs, ands, or buts. All you're trying to do is move linebackers, cornerbacks, and safeties all around to the safety position with the hope and the prayer that one of them fits the mold of the Malcolm Jenkins that you know, you know. We keep coming back to they have to fit the mold of Malcolm Jenkins because we're gonna miss Malcolm Jenkins that much. That's why it's a patch job. You're looking for a replacement when the placement was there all along you just had to work something out with Malcolm Jenkins but obviously like we said there was something behind the scenes that we just don't know for sure what was going on behind the scenes but like you said there's a good chance that the outspokenness was just not fitting for Roseman and Schwartz on that defense whereas McLeod and Mills are quieter people Parks is a quieter person who's going to come in and try and take advantage of the opportunity that he's being given um but there's a lot of guys like we said who who have that opportunity because they're very versatile people who could play the Malcolm Jenkins role. It's just can they play the Malcolm Jenkins role better than or to the same level of Malcolm Jenkins? Um, and you briefly touched on that linebacker position. I recently wrote an article at Sports Talk Philly. Uh, if you guys want to check it out about the draft and the linebacker position and in the Jim Schwartz defense. It just isn't a position of importance, and it never will be a position of importance. And if you look back in the history of the Eagles and their drafting and their signing of linebackers, it's never been a position of importance for for Philadelphia. And and that's just how Some it's going to remain. They no, exactly. It's basically just they are athletic complements who chase down and cover when they have to cover, and they they rely a lot on the safety. 
basically. The safety is there to support the linebacker, and the linebacker is there to support anything happening in the short or intermediate routes where they're athletic enough to go sideline to sideline and get that tackle. But agreed, we don't have those guys yet. That's why Jatavis Brown potentially might be that. And there are some good options in through the draft. And as the draft approaches, I'm sure we'll look at those. But if you want to check out that article, I do touch on some good good uh, pieces that that they can get through the draft. But it's not going to be a position of importance. It's not going to be a position that gets addressed. And we clearly see that the positions of importance in Schwartz's defense were along the offensive or the defensive line. And well, we knew we had to fix the secondary because the secondary we w- was just becoming that terrible to watch and that hard to watch that it was becoming such a liability to for Jim Schwartz. Yeah, I think the biggest surprising um, move when it came to the free agency for the Eagles was the first signing, which was Javon Hargrave. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they spent a lot of money on Malik Jackson last year. They have Fletcher Cox. Um, spending out, they're spending big money at that defensive tackle position. And I think defensive tackle was probably the last part of the defense where a lot of people thought the Eagles would spend money. And when it came out that they signed Javon Hargrave, Hargrave, excuse me, to that was a four year deal, I think. Um, our three year, 39 three million year, dollar yeah, deal. Three year, 39. Um, he's only 27. You put him next to Fletcher Cox. Yes, he played nose, nose tackle with the Steelers, but he's going to play in the three technique. He's, he's going to be able to get after the quarterback. And then, when you can rotate in a a Malik Jackson and a Hassan, Hassan Ridgeway, that's going to be lethal. But they also need help at the defensive end position. And Brandon Graham, I mean, I don't, I think it's getting overstated how much help they need at defensive end. Uh, Brandon Graham's going to be fine. I'm Definitely. still not, I'm still not bought in on um, Derek Barnett. I, I, I don't. I mean, they're going to pick up his fifth year option. Obviously, I think they did that already. Um, yep. But they do need help, and this is where. If I'll bring up a name, if the price keeps dropping, would you contemplate it if you're Howie Roseman? And that's, you know, a Jadavion Clowney type. It, it started out he wanted 20. He's not going to get that. He's at 17 now. Who knows if he's going to get that? You know, if it drops to 15, 14 million a year, if you're Howie, would you consider that? Because if you bring in or or do you trade the number one pick for Yannick Ngakwe, who is 24, who's got over 35 sacks, you know, in four years in the NFL. So, we know the, the damage he does. He he does hasn't had the injury issues that Clowney has had. Hasn't had that locker room disruption that Clowney has had. And I think he's playing with us, but he is geeked out about the Eagles. If you see his Instagram, mm-hmm. everything he posts seems to be about the Eagles. Um, so he obviously and he said he's he said it. He wants out of Jacksonville. Um, the Eagles could be a big uh, a, a landing spot for him if the Eagles are willing to trade. There, if if they have to trade the 20, um, 21st overall pick, or do you think they could trade a second round pick to get them? We all know that they're waiting for the draft to, to address that wide receiver position. Do you pass up the chance to get a wide receiver in the first round to get Ngakwe, or you know, or would you sign Clowney, who all you have to do is give him money? I would absolutely not trade that. And I think it's being understated what was stated by Jet the Jags. They want a first. And, and, and a lot of people are just like, so let's talk this first. Don't forget there's an and there. And is it a heavy, is it a big ask? Is it going to happen? Likely it'll end up, they have to settle for a individual first if they're lucky enough to get that. I know. I think that if the longer to stretch out, say we get to draft time, the Eagles, this is what I think the Eagles might do. They get to draft time. And if one of those top three receivers start to drop, they'll trade up for one of the, which is Judy, Ruggs, or Lamb. But if they're all gone and say a Grant Delpit, a Christian Fulton, I'm not big on T, I'm not big on Justin Jefferson or T Higgins or Rager or Chanel. Like I'm not big on them guys or Mims, like especially at the 21st pick. So if they get to 21 and and the safety is gone, the three receivers are gone, the safety, the corner, um, they're all gone. And and they then I think that they would be more inclined to trade the 21st pick, just the 21st pick. Because then in the second round, they can go for a receiver, whether it's Mims or K.J. Hamler or somebody like that. Um, but I also, you know, so that's, let me say, that's what I think would happen. They're going to wait till draft time. But I also think the price on the Jaguars could come down. I think that you might be able to give up multiple seconds or a second and a third and, and get in Gawkway. So I don't, I, the Eagles don't want to rush into this. And if they don't rush into it and they miss out on getting a, an all, a really good player, fine. So be it because I want them to be smart 
And while Howie hasn't been great with picks, obviously when he's traded up, he's hit, you know, when it's been Wentz and um, when it's Dillard's still an iffy because he's, it's only been a year, but you know, Cox, he was still on the team or he was still in the front office when that happened. So when he, when he trades up, he, he knows what he's doing. It's when he stays put or trades back where we're like, does he know what he's doing? So that's where you go after that 24 year old stud who you're not going to have a, pick a player of that substance at 21. So you just make the move and boom, you have a stud. Your, your defensive line is the best defensive line of football. If you make that move. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if we have to wait until closer to the draft. But like I said, I think we need to understand first that at this point, it's first and more. So it's not realistic in my eyes. I'm not giving up the more. And at this rate and at this point, I'm not giving up the first either because of the vital needs at other positions. I mean, I, I'm a guy who is all for giving Josh Sweat more opportunity and more opportunity to be a part of that rotation. I think there's some in-house guys still, like the Derek Barnett. I, I, like, I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter, but there's something put – People have posted side-by-side side Yannick Nagalkwe and, and Derek Barnett, and it talks about their pressures and their sacks, and they're nearly identical people, except Derek Barnett's played less because of the injury issues. So, I mean, I don't know if you've seen that, but that's a Should crazy I would trade stat. De- I would trade Derek Barnett, put Derek Barnett in a package for Ngakwe. That could be but my you can bet you can bet if that's the end that it cannot be a first-round pick. Derek Barnett well, I would do a second in Derek Barnett. Himself I would do a second. Ago. I would do a second in Derek Barnett. Like, uh, if that's what you have to do, then at that first pick, you could still get a receiver. And then you take care of, you know, with that one, you, you take care of getting a receiver that, that can grow with Carson Wentz and you improve your defensive line. I would do that because Ngakwe is way better. I don't care what anybody is way better than Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett can't stay healthy. While he gets pressures, he doesn't sack the quarterback. He just doesn't do it. Um, I don't care. Like, all this talk about he broke um, – Reggie White's sack record at Tennessee. Well, I haven't seen it in the NFL. He just can't stay on the field. And he, and he makes boneheaded mistakes all the time. And it's so frustrating to watch. I would just I would get rid of him. I think that they they over they overplayed their hand when they drafted Derek Barnett with the fifth, whatever, 15th pick, whatever it was when they took him. If if he if the Jaguars want him or if the Jaguars are willing to take him to get Ngakwe in Philly, do it in a heartbeat. I will drive Derek Barnett down to Jacksonville myself. Yeah, I think just the needs around are just like to to think that you invested a first round pick in him and then you're going to trade him with a second rounder for Yannick Nagalkwe. I just just don't know. And then you have to then we have to consider down the road the fact that we have to pay Yannick Nagalkwe. And at this current point, yes, we have twenty seven million dollars. But if you fast forward a year, we are minus ten million dollars. In that we're in the hole for next year's offseason right now, as far as the salary cap stance goes. So everyone's like, why aren't you spending that $27 million? Well, kick the can down the road, take a look at future years. We don't have money well, to with spend. How, with how we running the show, I'm not too, too worried about the salary cap because we know he can manipulate it. I And um, I get that. You know what? I get that. People are going to say that. Look what happens when you kick the can too far down the road, i.e. Alshon Jeffrey right now. Well, he won't be on the team next year. Well, in 2021, he won't be on the team. Like, humor me. If you go and look at the Javon Hargrave contract, we are paying him two years after the contract because he has kicked the can down the road to make his payment cheap this year. I can't remember the exact numbers, but we're paying him dead money in 2024 and 2025. There is only so much you yeah, can The salary cap's also going up like ten million a year every year. It feels like, if not more. So and like, I get that. Again, and I get that. I'm and the big TV worried. deal that's coming exactly. up. I'm I get that. I understand that. But I mean, you have to remember that you can only do that so much, even with the the money going up and and who knows? Look, the whole virus and the situation. What is? How is this going to play in to the salary cap? And what's going to happen over the next couple of years? You know that the economy isn't coming back in one year. So what is that going to do to the salary cap? So many people don't consider what the real life ramifications of this virus situation, I don't want to get too into it, well, has to I, do with the cap down the road. I don't think it affects the NFL as much as it affects other. Like when it comes to the NHL, the NHL wants to play the remainder of their schedule because if they lose out games, their salary cap does drop. But I think when it comes to the NFL, the NFL salary cap is going to be based off of that that TV contract that's coming up and 
doesn't matter. Like people are going to watch the NFL. If, I mean, if there's nobody in the stand, the numbers are going to be the numbers are already astronomical for the NFL. If say they have to play the first half of the season in front of no fans, what can you imagine what the numbers are going to be like, you know, this season? So the TV deal, like that's going to bring in billions and billions and billions of dollars because no matter what people are going to watch the NFL. And that's primarily mm-hmm. for the NFL sake. That's what's, primarily is, is you know the the salary cap is affected like i mentioned the nhl if they don't play the rest of the if they don't play the rest of the regular season and you know most of those playoffs their salary cap's going to drop and that's going to affect a lot of teams because that's where the salary cap gets determined by the, the the gross or by the revenue they get from each from each team um i don't know what it's like in major league baseball or or ml or and um nba but you know it's not as important for the for the NFL because of that TV contract. They they have so much money that CBS, Fox, ESPN, um, YouTube, NBC, Amazon, uh, YouTube, like Amazon, you, you like, have to remember these streaming services will be going, in on it. Exactly, everybody is going to pay. So I don't even see any issue in terms of the salary cap. It's still going to rise. Now, will it rise ten you know ten to fifteen million every year? No, but it's still going to rise. And that and and with how we managing the cap and we know he's really good at that i don't see the issue being there you know too too much i understand your concern because you can't keep if you keep kicking it down like it happened to dallas when they kept redoing tony romo's contract and then they got to a point where like they had so much dead money yes it could happen but also Harry roseman's way smarter than jerry jones so yeah, and we're lucky he kind of handles the dead money a bit better because, I mean, you look around the league, we do have, like, I think $9 million in dead money, but there are teams sitting on astronomical amounts of dead money this year. And, and, like, that's, why, and that's also why they don't want to just get rid of Alshon Jeffrey. They don't want to sit on that that dead money. And if there's, an, if there's a chance that Alshon can come back, you know, midway through the year and they can get something out of him, they're going to keep him in and see if he can be productive. Well, especially at like you're like, oh well, we'll split twenty six million across two years. Yeah, but you don't want to have that type of dead money if you can just keep the guy. If he comes back mid season and someone has the need at wide receiver, he gives you a good game or two maybe or whatever you get out of the guy. Maybe there's a team with the need at wide receiver who would say, I'll take that risk on him if he comes back healthy and he proves he can come back healthy and stuff. So there's lots of options, but at this point you'd be selling him for a seventh and we'd have to throw in like a fifth for someone to take on the cap. So we'd be losing in the deal. So why not just keep him around, which is, I think it's a good idea on how he's part to keep him around and to see what happens with the guy and to see if he can gain a little bit of value, get some traction heading towards next off season or even the trade deadline. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and I, I kind of, we kind of jumped around there when it came to the, to the Eagle stuff. Um, one position that they did neglect and we, we kind of touched on it was the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of shocking. Um, DeAndre Hopkins got traded from Houston to Arizona for what seemed like nothing. And when you have Bill O'Brien running things, you could probably get one over his head or multiple things over his head. Um, while Howie did go on the radio and, and did interview saying that what Houston wanted from the Eagles wasn't the same what they wanted from Arizona. That probably is true. Who knows? Obviously, he's, he's not going to play his hand. It, it's hand Bill there. O'Brien. It is exactly. likely true. He probably <laughs> asked, has a different value on every single team. Exactly. He probably would have made the um, Patriots pay two firsts for him. Yeah, but Stephon, then he turns and sells him for David Johnson in a second. Exactly. Stefan uh, Stephon Diggs got traded. That was a – the Bills gave up a lot for Stefan Diggs for, to, for mm-hmm. him to play with a quarterback who can't throw. So that should be interesting. He got mad with Kirk Cousins. He's probably going to get really mad with Josh Allen. Uh, and playing in Buffalo too, that that being another thing. Um, but Buffalo is probably the best. now that Tom Brady, which we'll talk about in a little bit, is not in New England. It's going to be really interesting to see how that how the AFC East turns out. Um, were you shocked, or were there any other receivers that you? Th- I mean, Amari Cooper resigned with Dallas for twenty million a year, um, so I'm not shocked that Howie didn't give up all that all that money. Um, your, your thoughts on what the Eagles didn't do offensively, especially at the receiver position and kind of, do they wait for the draft or are they going to, could we see like an underrated trade for maybe like a Kenny Galladay or somebody like that, that Keenan Allen or somebody from like say Tampa, you know, say like a Chris Godwin, which I don't think is going to happen, but Mm. could, could we see something an underrated thing that nobody's talking about now that happens and we're like, okay, I see what you're doing, Howie. 
You know what? I'm I'm honestly not shocked they didn't address it. It this is supposed to be a historic wide receiver class. You remember what happened picks. with that historic running back I, draft? I get it. Class you know what? I do. Humphrey? I do get it. I do understand the, the circumstances behind like the other historic classes and other drafts and how he's draft history per se. But I mean, I'm I'm unsurprised in that way. Um, but I'm also unsurprised because this wide receiver market is completely messed up. Their wide receiver, beyond Amari Cooper, nobody got what they wanted. Robbie Anderson had to settle. Um, Demarcus Robinson went back to be a third or fourth receiver in in Kansas City because he wasn't getting the market he wanted. The market is in flux, and the market is really just lost and confused. And like you can tell, I mean— the DeAndre Hopkins trade, I think that's lost and confused Bill O'Brien. But then you see the Stefan Diggs deal. The market is just so weird for wide receivers right now that I think a lot of the the managers and a lot of the player executives are just trying to kind of gauge what can I get in the draft? What's this guy worth? What's that guy worth? So would I be surprised to see a potential deal go down when the draft starts where wide receivers are flying left, right, and center, where Howie can swoop in and get an under-the-radar deal? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised because, you know what, at the end of the day, I know this is a super fantasy football taken stance, but it is such a real life stance that people are neglecting too. I'm taking that established talent in a heartbeat over these guys coming up who we don't know what they're going to bring at the NFL level. I'm all for if If he can get an under-the-radar under the radar deal going with uh, Kenny Galladay or Chris Godwin, which, like you said, is highly unlikely— I'd be all for those guys over going for a shot in the dark with a second round, third round, fourth round wide receiver draft pick. I think that too many people are so hyped about this draft class and it's historic, quote unquote, historic, quote unquote, best draft class in it for wide receivers in NFL history. But I'm taking that established talent any day. Because you just don't know how these guys are going to translate over into the NFL or what they're going to become. And that's not to undervalue a Henry Ruggs or a C.D. Lamb or, or Jerry Judy and what they might be able to bring. We need established pieces. We took the shot at J.J.O. We still don't know what we have in J.J.O. So are we prepared as Eagles fans to go in and draft two or three more receivers and say, all right, we have addressed our position? I'm not prepared to do that personally. Yeah, and I get what you're saying. You know, getting a somebody that know somebody that's a known, and that's why, like, if you can't get one of the top three, I wouldn't be opposed to to moving, unless like a Grant Delpit drops to 21, or Christian Fulton. You can get another corner to put. You can get a corner to put across from Darius Slay, um, or get a safety that that can that that we can mold that could be a starter. Who knows? Maybe he outplays Jalen Mills and Will Parks if this is started this year and Grant Delpit. Um, but like again, I mentioned it before. I'm not big on Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, um, Rager from TCU, Chenault from Colorado. Um, I'm not high on them at 21. Um, so if you're not able to move up, if Lamb, Rugs, or Judy start dropping, and and you get to say like 14, 15, and one of them or two of them are still on the board, which I'm not saying is gonna happen, but you never know. Um, if if that were to happen, then I make a move, I move up, um, you know, you know, and and try to get one of them because you need a young receiver. I mentioned before, you need to get a young receiver to grow with Carson Wentz, and those top three are legit. Those top three are gonna be players in the NFL. Um, so if you can get one of them, you do it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I would have loved DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. Now, DeAndre Hopkins is going to get a, a contract extension that's going to be ridiculous because he's top two, top three receiver in the game. Um, Stefan Diggs, I wouldn't have given up what the Bills gave up, so I'm not shocked that they didn't do that. Um, I was Robbie Anderson, I'm, I was eh, iffy on. He went to Carolina, which you know, Matt Rule's building Temple, what south there. Um, they bring, mm-hmm. bring a lot of Temple guys. P.J. Walker going from um, the Houston Roughnecks of the XFL is also signed on with Carolina. Um, and then I wasn't a big big on uh, Brashad Perriman. So, again, you want to do this right. They need to – we know they need to improve the, the, the receiver position. Howie knows he needs to improve the receiver position. So they're going to do it. I just hope they get the right man because I mentioned it. 
When you, you mentioned how this is a historically, this is like a historical draft. Remember that running back draft a couple years back, and they ended up with Donnell Pumphrey. They didn't get Dalvin Cook, you know, the, the running back that they thought that they were going to get and they wanted to get. So you got while you have to be smart about it, you got to, you're going to have to make a move to get the guy that you want. You can't I think just it's sit back I think and hope they fall to you. We also have to understand it's going to be patience because at this point. If there's going to be a move made for the wide receiver position or to move up in the draft or any of that, it's happening on draft night. Because at this point, we don't know what teams are thinking. Everyone's got the New York Jets. They're all mocking them taking an offensive tackle. And then uh, Matt Miller came out yesterday and said he's hearing a lot of rumblings that they're actually considering wide receiver. And they're really heavily looking into C.D. Lamb. If suddenly you got three or four or five teams all fighting for receivers up at the top of that draft, I mean, Arizona has been rumored unlikely. The Jets, the Raiders, the Broncos, there's so many there that it all depends how the chips fall. And if Howie has to try and get inside of that top 10, that's going to cost you. It's an expensive I don't think draft. he's going to move into the top 10. I Neither think- do I. But that's why I think it really matters who goes where and what starts to happen. Like how the top 10 shakes out will really, really tell you whether teams are going to say, I'm going to move up, I'm going to move down. It's really going to, I think the top 10 is really going to shake up the entire rest of the draft because people are going to wait to see what happens right there. Are all these teams that have offensive line needs going to go offensive line or are they going to go best player available? Or are they going to go get, try and get that stud player in the top 10? It's really going to shake up how the rest of the draft plays out. And this is going to be a draft that's probably going to be as unpredictable as any, because it's different. Like Mm -hmm. you're not allowed to make visits to the facilities. So you don't. You can't really keep track. Uh, while you have to, while teams have to notify the NFL when they're doing a like virtual uh, meeting with with a with a prospect, like you can't keep track of who's visiting where, when they're visiting, how many visits, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely going to be one of the most unpredictable NFL drafts that in memory, because we really don't know what anybody is going to do. Um, usually, you want to try to get as much information on a player, and you have all this time where you can go visit with them. You know, put them through drills and whatnot, but you can't do that now. So do you go with the known instead of going with the unknown? Because a lot of teams like to to try to out, you know, try to outsmart other other teams themselves, you know, whatnot. So it, that that's where it's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I think the top ten is really going to shake up what happens everywhere else. When you look at mock drafts right now, people are throwing trades around left, right, and center. Is there going to be that many trades? I don't know, but it would. This would be the year to do it. I think there's a. It's a pretty top-heavy draft. It is a deep draft, but it's also a top-heavy draft. I think at a lot of positions, you look at the cornerback position, you look at the wide receiver position, you look at how much people are beginning to value the offensive line and how much people are getting paid on the offensive line, and they want to try and hit on hit it right during the draft so that they don't have to pay that offensive tackle like Trent Williams who's probably gonna, who wants to who thinks he can demand 20 million a year that that offensive line it's becoming a position that that's expensive so if you can hit on it during the draft it's almost as important to hit on it in the draft as it's important to take advantage of the rookie quarterback contract in that short time frame that you have your quarterback really cheap so I mean, I'm really interested. I can't wait for the draft. I don't care if it's done in person. Obviously, something done in person. I just can't wait. I think this is going to be really cool. I think it's going to be a really good draft, and I'm really excited to see what Howie does and also what other teams do. And this is why it's going to be important for Andre Dillard to establish himself as a left tackle because he's on a rookie contract, and if they can have him mm-hmm. for cheap for the next you know, three to four years, that's where they can help. Just like they did with Carson Wentz, they were able to go big money other positions because he was on a rookie deal. Now Carson Wentz is getting the big money. And Dillard's going to be on a rookie deal. So if they can, and your receiver, if you do draft the receiver and they get the right receiver, he'll be on a rookie deal. So you have two guys on rookie deals, along with Dallas Goddard, who's also on a rookie deal for another year or two. So you have to take advantage when when you can, while you're paying your quarterback you know, up upwards to thirty million dollars a year. You know when you have these young guys, take advantage of them being on rookie contracts. What would your grade for the Thank Eagles God. and Howie Roseman be so far free agency as we approach the draft in a couple weeks? Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a B. I mean, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Javon Hargrave should, should, but we, I mean, we said the same thing about Malik Jackson and he got hurt. Javon Hargrave should 
make it so to ease some pressure off of Fletcher Cox, which also eases some pressure off the defensive ends, which the ends might or the yeah the ends might be able to get a lot more pressure on the quarterback. Um, for me, I mean the Hargrave move, like you said, was head scratching. Love the Darius Slay move. I thought the Darius Slay move was great. The trade, the 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 draft assets that we gave up was great. Will Parks, there's potential there. Jalen Mills, there's a ton of potential there. He his reaction time was not made or made for the outside cornerback position. So will he be able to when he has more time to read plays and see plays happen? He's a good tackler. He's a short tackler. Maybe he does fill that Malcolm Jenkins role. For me, I give it a B because there's a lot of, will this all work? Will they all gel? I mean, you got Javon Hargrave going from a 3-4 to a 4-3 system. You have Will Parks coming in to take on that hybrid role. You have Jalen Mills changing positions. Likely a better position, I do agree. You got Jatavis Brown, who comes in at linebacker, who's just at athletic supportive linebackers still no real addressing of the linebacker position in general um so i'm going to give it a b there's a lot of ifs ands and buts that we have to see if they work out and uh i mean it could easily become an a or an a plus grade if everything fits and how he completely nails the draft out of the park but given how he's history of in the draft i'm not going to necessarily say he's going to hit the home run yeah i'm going to go with a b minus um that's primarily because well I wasn't enamored with a lot of names. They didn't do anything on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and, you know, you could bring in somebody to possibly – that could be a surprise. That could help out at receiver or, or whatnot. <clears throat> you mentioned it on defensive side. Darius Slay, I love the move. They need it. <clears throat> excuse me, a, a, a running back – or excuse me, a corner who can follow a number one receiver, and they have him. Um, so, so that'll be – it's going to be fun to finally have somebody out there. We don't have to worry about Amari Cooper catching 10 balls for 200 yards on us every time we play him. Um, my thing is the, the free agency this year or free agency from last year can kind of be incorporated in this year. Deshaun Jackson really played one game. We should have him for more than one game next year. So that'll help. Um, Malik Jackson played one, one or two games. That's all last year. He's going to come in and provide big depth on the defensive line you know, so that Fletcher Cox isn't going to have to play 80, 80, 85% of the snaps. I think you can move that in, into this season because we didn't get anything out of them last year besides one or two games. I mean, when it comes to Deshaun Jackson, his one game was a really good game, and that's what we expected all season. So if you if, if, if he can come back healthy and stay healthy, that's kind of a, the boost to your receiving corpse that we didn't have last year. I mean, you won't have to go out there playing with all practice squad guys at the skill positions. Um. So if you can if you can pair Deshaun Jackson with a, a young rookie receiver who is dynamite who can play on the outside, and then on the inside you put a Greg Ward or you you, you split out Dallas Goddard or or Zach Ertz, that's going to help offensively. Um, Malik Jackson, I think if his foot's good and he's healthy, he's gonna, you can move him on the outside sometimes, have him play an end. You know that's going to be a really good. Not going to be the best defensive line in football, but they're going to be a really good defensive line if everybody can stay healthy. And again, I hate that we have to say if everybody can stay healthy, but we've seen what happened the last two, three years, so we have to, you know, say it. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a B minus, and again, it it can improve. Um, it's it's like 2017 when when Howie Roseman made all those moves, bringing in Alshon, bringing in Legarrette Blunt, um, bringing in guys. We didn't know that they were going to win the Super Bowl in 2017. But everything fell into place, and it did. And that's why he became executive of the year. All these moves, if, if while a lot of them are short, short-term short moves, and one, one two-year deals, if everything falls into place and the team stays healthy, they could make a run to the Super Bowl, and he'll, and Howie will look like a genius. So I'm going to stick with a B-minus for now, um, but things can move. It's a sliding scale. Things can move um, depending on how things shake out between now and the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a fluid situation because we have to still consider that we still have a draft to do. Mm-hmm. We still have training camp to do. We still have all these uh, things. I don't even know that, if there's going to be a training well, camp. Well, yeah, there may not even be a training camp, but we have all these things that, that make the situation fluid and that we, we need to see if, that all the pieces fall into place. And exactly like you said, hopefully, fingers crossed, everybody stays healthy and we have a team like the Super Bowl year where the only issue was our quarterback who got injured and we ended up having a reliable backup who could take us the rest of the way. Uh, Peter, Sproles, Hicks, they all got injured too that year. That's true, but that's unsurprising. It wasn't like last year where 
all of our receivers got injured at the same time. Like, so that, like where, where every, it seemed like the injuries came for the entire team and not your quarterback. That's where we just need everybody to stay healthy this year. Yeah. Big time. All right. So let's move to quickly. Um, some of the moves around the national football league. First, the big one, Tom Brady going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, the kind of, I guess it doesn't surprise doesn't are it, it's shocking in terms of him leaving the New England Patriots. I actually thought he was going to go back to New England and this was just all all a game that he wanted to play and just to be like, hey, I just want to be loved because he has no he had never been a, a free agent. But he's in Tampa and that makes things harder for the Eagles in the NFC. And that that NFC South is gonna be really good when you have Brady, Breeze, Matt Ryan, Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina. Um I know he's the outlier there, but you know, they have some really good quarterbacks Should be some really good games. And, and that's what Tampa was missing. I mean, Jameis Winston, first ever quarterback, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. And that Tampa, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, um, OJ Howard, they have a lot of weapons on that offense. And if they could build up that offensive line in the draft, and I, I don't know if they brought in anybody throughout free agency. I can't think about it off the top of my head. But if they could build up that offensive line over the next, you know, th- throughout the offseason, they're going to be a good team because that defense is already – pretty good under um their defensive coordinator i can't think of something heavy um todd bowles um so i think that was a, a very interesting move and tampa is going for it this year under bruce arians yeah i mean it, you you knew what james winston was demanding 30 million dollars so if you're going to pay 30 million dollars to somebody is it going to be the legendary tom brady the future Hall of Famer, perhaps the greatest ever do it, or are you going to give it to the guy who just had the first ever 30-30 season in the NFL, who just got his vision corrected and wants to say that that might change the whole complexion? Obviously, you're going to go Tom Brady. Bruce Arians wants a quarterback that he can work with, and obviously, you don't really have to do much work with Tom Brady. He is who he is. Hopefully, his arm's good. Hopefully, these weapons help because obviously, we watched him last year. He threw some duck passes. He was having a hard time connecting with his receivers, connecting with his running backs. Just in a general sense, he blamed the weapons, but could it be his age and just inaccuracy starting to catch up to him now? Who knows? But obviously, this definitely makes Tampa Bay an extremely huge threat. Bruce Arians gets a quarterback that he wants for two years because it's a no-trade clause. It's all basically almost fully guaranteed. Um, So obviously, that's your quarterback for two years. And you're going to probably focus through the draft on trying to find the one to step in behind them. Kind of like what the Patriots did. Although I don't think the Patriots were prepared to have Jared Stidham step in this season. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the the Patriots do and the ramifications with that because they do not have much salary cap space to play with at all. I think if you bring in their draft pool, it actually puts them into the negative. So lucky the draft pool doesn't necessarily count against top 51 cap for them, but they definitely have some work to do if Jared Statham is their quarterback. Yeah. Um, another QB move. I I wouldn't be sure. And I know you said their cap, situation is is tight but you know on a one-year term i mean on a one-year contract cam newton or Jameis winston possibly go to new england it would be if Jameis winston sets his ego aside and realizes he's not a 30 million dollar quarterback and he has to prove it this year to get that money yes i could see it happening cam newton will he be healthy to start the season that's the big question mark and that's why i mentioned cam newton as maybe a backup you know if he wants to work on, you know, the quarterback position, I mean, working with, we see what the backups in Philly have done um, over the years. I mean, can't, um, Nick Foles kind of in, in general, but you, you even saw what McCown was able to do in that playoff game last year. If he didn't tear his his hamstring, they win that game. I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive about that. He was just hurt. They couldn't do anything. Um, and then and Nick was, Foles got paid just exactly. being a backup. He, well, he did win the Super Bowl too, so that kind of helps. That's true. Um, but, yeah. Um, how about Philip Rivers going to Indianapolis on a one-year, uh, $25 million deal? Um, that's intriguing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm more intrigued on a one-year deal. I think I think he may retire after this year. You never know. Obviously, it'll depend on how this year goes, but we know that he's a he's a really tough quarterback and, and somebody that, that can really play uh, with. Uh, I mean, he had really good weapons in San Diego, just wasn't able to put it together. But he actually he has an – is a really good coach with um 
Um, what the heck is his name? Who's Indianapolis's coach now? I can't believe he was just our offensive coordinator. Wow. It's slipping my mind, too. I know. This is bad. Uh, yep. But, yeah, um, I can't believe I can't think of that. But, yes, um, it, it'll be – I think that'll be a good move for Indianapolis and for Phillip Rivers. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, for, for Indianapolis, say they are probably a quarterback away from being a true contender, I think. They, Frank they, Reich, by the way. I can't believe I Frank, forgot. There we go. He has a better offensive line there, but I think it's often understated how unlucky the Los Angeles Chargers have been, especially from an injury standpoint. They are probably almost just as unlucky as the Eagles, probably even worse from a luck perspective, because one year it's the offensive side of the ball, the other year it's the defensive side of the ball. Well, some of their top picks and drafts kept getting hurt. Um, so, I mean, for them, it, it really sucks. Uh, the L.A. Chargers, though, um, to Tyrod Taylor, I don't think is a fix. I don't think Tyrod Taylor is going to be the piece. Hopefully he's just a bridge. Hopefully they go out and they get a Justin Herbert or they get someone who can compete right away and take the job out of Tyrod Taylor's hands because I don't think Tyrod Taylor is good for that team. Um, but from the Indian, from the indie standpoint, yeah, I like the move. I like that they did the one-year prove-it deal. And yeah, I think that it was even at the front of his mind this offseason, Philip Rivers, to retire. So it should be interesting to see what Frank Wright can do there. And they do have some weapons, but definitely I'm not prepared to say that they have Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, and Mike Williams-esque weapons like he had in L.A. Yeah, I mean, T.Y. Hilton, if he can get healthy, he'll, he'll be good on the, at the receiver position. But they do have to build up at the running back position and, and, and whatnot, and even at the um, backup or at, at other receivers um, to, to help out. Uh, Rivers and, and T.Y. Hill. He definitely has a better offensive line in Indy. Oh, so yeah. that's does that's go for, and get the protection, sure. and maybe that's all he needs to become the Phillip Rivers that, that we've been so accustomed to. And, he got, uh, and again, I meant, and I mentioned he's got Frank Reich, who's really smart when it comes to play designs and play calls. So, you know, maybe he doesn't really – he doesn't have to have the Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, um, and, and all those. Like, with T.Y. Hilton and, and some of the guys that Jacoby Brissett was able to be successful with – He'll be able to be successful with. Again, all this though hurts with not having any offseason team activities. Big time. Yeah, so we'll definitely see. Um, what were you know, obviously quarterbacks are being the most important position. You know, Emmanuel Sanders went to New Orleans, so their offense gets better. Um, what other moves around the the, the league caught your mind and stuff that could possibly impact the Eagles? You know, in terms of playoff positioning, even though now seven playoff teams in each conference. It's a little tad bit easier uh, for the Eagles to make the playoffs. Well, I mean, most of the teams didn't do a whole lot. The Redskins cut ties with a lot of dead, useless pieces, as in like Paul Richardson, Chris Thompson, some of those older Jordan Reed they finally got rid of and gave up on that experiment. So like those, those types of moves were smart by them. They're getting rid of money. They're getting rid of dead money or any type of money that they can save. Um and they're going to have a really young team. And you know what? I think the Redskins are further ahead in the rebuild than the Giants. And I think that the Redskins can, will become a better team and a stronger team. And, I mean, you think about the opportunity of getting a guy. That's for sure. They definitely have a better coach. And you think about a guy like if you can draft a Chase Young with that pick, that is a complete game changer on the defensive side of the ball. I would not that. be shocked if they take Tua, though. Just saying. I don't. I He's way better than Dwayne Haskins. Honestly, I would put my money on on moving back. If I were to if I were to guess, I, I would guess that they might move back in the draft and try and get more assets because that number that number two what are they number two pick that yeah. that's a coveted pick. They they can get a haul that those top five. If you're trying to sell your top five pick and move back, which most of those teams obviously can't do, you saw you what the Bears had to give haul. up. You saw what the Bears had to give up to move up one spot to get Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> We laugh at that as every year because yep. now Nick Foles is competing for that starting job. Um, that's just another one like the Nick Foles move, man. I don't know if the Jaguars know what they're doing. They invest a ton of money. They now carry an immense amount of dead cap on that deal. And I don't know what they now they got Gardner Minshew, who I don't think is an established enough starter. I don't think he's a starter you're going to roll with. I think they're going to end up having to re-enter the draft process and try and get uh, maybe Trevor Lawrence. Maybe they're tanking for Trevor. Who knows? Although it looks like Carolina may be doing that as well in the tanking for, t tanking for Trevor. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see what happens on uh, for next year. Um, but the Giants, I mean, I just don't know if I can get the Giants. I don't know if I can put my finger on what the Giants are doing. James Bradbury, Blake Martinez. Um, they have some nice defensive pieces. They have some nice offensive pieces, but I'm not prepared to say that that's a team that can compete. I mean, it's still a two-team know, division. Maybe. It's still the Eagles and the Cowboys. And the Cowboys for how much longer? I mean, you're probably really annoying Dak Prescott at this point. You're losing pieces up front. Center Frederick retiring is going to be mm-hmm. huge. I know they didn't have him last year much, if at all. But, I mean, that's a huge loss on that offensive line. The the pieces that they have to pay continue to pile up year over year over year. They just paid Amari Cooper $20 million when there's a historic wide receiving class. They have Michael Gallup. Um, I just don't know I, I, for how much longer can they compete before they're kicking the can down the road if contracts really, really catches up with them. Eventually, let's face it, we we don't like Dak Prescott. We laugh at Dak Prescott, but Dak Prescott's going to get paid. Dak Prescott is better, in my eyes, than Cam, 30-year-old Cam Newton. He's better than Jameis Winston, even with 20-20 vision. Dak Prescott's going to get paid. And they know that they have to pay him eventually. If you keep putting the tag on him, he's gonna get mad. He's gonna hold out, and the I don't tag know, he could be going the Kirk, he could be going the Kirk Cousins route. Take the tag, you get the top five money. But we saw what he did last. Like you, we always do. You compare um, we compare Dak to Carson. What Carson did last year with practice squad players compared to what Dak did with healthy, like, with with mostly healthy offensive weapons, like. They can make him mad, but he hasn't proven that he's a win- he is a um, a stat compiler. He compiles all stats late in games and in blowouts. He doesn't really he hasn't really won games, you know, when he should win them late in seasons. When look, playoff division on the line, let's go. He doesn't he hasn't proven it. So like I understand where you're coming from in terms of Dak being mad and not getting what he's want, but I understand where Jerry's coming from. Being like, what have you done for me? You had the Eagles were playing with all practice squad, Boston Scott, Greg Ward, Josh Perkins. They won the division. They won five games to, to finish the season or whatever it was at the end of the mm-hmm. year to, to win the division. You had Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, Michael Gallup, Zeke Elliott, all healthy, at least mostly healthy, and yet didn't do anything. So I can kind of see where Jerry is like, look, you don't deserve to be a $40 million a year quarterback. So you're not going to get it. So we need to find a way to compromise here. Yeah, and he may, I mean, he paid Amari Cooper because he basically said, Dak, this could be a lesson. Look what Amari Cooper did. He came, he helped you so much. He was huge. He was well worth the first round pick investment that we did. So we're going to pay this guy. And how many times does a, a receiver and a running back get paid before the quarterback gets paid? Uh, very rarely ever, exactly. if ever, I mean, exactly. so, I mean, you have to, yeah, I mean, you have to wonder if, if they are even questioning their own faith. Also, in, Mike McCarthy is the new coach. Does he believe in Dak? Like if he doesn't believe in Dak, he could just be like, we'll just franchise him, get a year or two out of him, And then I'll get my own guy. Yeah. Especially like you have all those weapons. Like you said, you just listed the weapons. Blake Jarwin may event may potentially emerge as a really good tight end as well. He's got the weapons. So if you can't work with the weapons, you still have a solid offensive line in front of you. If you can't work with those weapons and you're in a franchise tag year, we're not going to pay you. And it makes 100% sense not to pay him. But I'm saying somebody will pay him. I mean, and somebody will be wrong for paying him the money he wants. I'm just saying. That's a, Yeah, that, I mean, that's going to be, that be somebody else's mistake. Yeah, that that's definitely going to be up for debate. The Dak versus I, I think Wentz he's, uh, he's an, debate will rage on forever. There is no debate. Wentz is better. Like Dak is average. Like we saw what he did with a healthy offense. They didn't win the division in a year that the division was handed to them, and they were like, eh, nah, we don't want it. So I would absolutely love to see Wentz not like I would love to see them move the uh, the just for a, a game or two experiment Wentz in in with that offense in. Dallas and, and Dak in Philly with what he oh, had. The Eagles, if Dak season. was the quarterback last year of the Eagles and Wentz was the quarterback of the Cowboys, the Cowboys are 12 and four with a top two seed in the, in, in the NFC. The Eagles are four and 12. Easy. No questions asked. Wow. Wow. I'm sure we'd have some, just like if the, any Cowboy fan listens, they would be some irate just to hear like that. Just like their statement. rookie year 
when Dak won the division and they went one and done in the playoffs, if you switch and the Eagles went whatever they went seven and nine but had no weapons, if you switch switch them around, Dallas wins the Super Bowl with Wentz that year. The Eagles don't even sniff five wins their rookie year with Dak mm-hmm. as the quarterback. There's yeah. no there is no debate. I hate when people bring it up. There's no debate. Wentz is better than Dak. No questions asked. If Jerry Jones was put up to a lie detector and asked, you know, would you rather have Wentz over Dak? He he couldn't lie. If he said no, it's a lie. He would rather have Wentz. L- likely, yeah, no, I agree. By me, it's easy for us to say that because we're an Eagles podcast and we're we're Eagles fans, so we would oh, never just, want to admit And I was a counter. Dak fan in college, and then I hated him when he went to Dallas because I liked him at Mississippi State, and he was he was so like. And I, I'm a college, I love college football, and I'm an SC, like I'm, I'm an Alabama fan, so I watched a lot of SEC football. So I watched him play, and I thought he was good. And when he got there after by Dallas, I hated him, obviously. But I'm just saying, like, it, it, there is no debate. I don't care what anybody says. You switch them. Dallas has a Super Bowl. The Eagles don't have a Super Bowl within the four or five years that they've been in the league. I didn't mean to create such rage or any <laughs> of that sort. Just saying. Just saying. All right. Uh, any other any other moves you want to discuss quickly before we finish off here? No, I'm just excited for for football. I'm I'm, I'm excited. Glad, like, to, I'm just excited to walk out of my house on a given day. So I mean, I can't wait for NFL football. I know. And I mean, we just like it's we. we I'm I'm glad that there was free agency. Obviously, it wasn't the same, but like the, it, a tad bit sense of normalcy when free agency started. Um, with Same with the draft. I mean, I understand he's catching a lot of flack. And I mean, this is hired on the people being drafted because this is their moment. They're not going to get to walk across the stage to get the hat. I mean, they're going to get a Throw hat. They're not the going to get the hat. Well, yeah, whatever they're going to do. But you don't get that moment. I get it. I hear. I see why Goodell's catching flack. But the offseason must go on. We must prepare as if there's going to be a season as if there's going to be training camp of, if, of, of this belief that there's going to be all this. So I get why Goodell's doing it and I understand it, but I also get it from these rookies perspective and the team perspective. How do we know these people aren't lying to us about their injury history or what, what about their, what about if Tua's hip isn't actually coming along as they say, like, I get it from both perspectives, but I'm just glad to have the normalcy in that respect that we get free agency, we get a draft and we get NFL football to talk about because in the world of hockey, baseball, and basketball, it is well beyond the announcement that Kobe Bryant and Kevin Garnett are going to the Hall of Fame that just happened like five minutes ago. We have almost no news and almost nothing to talk about for those sports. Yeah, definitely. And again, I'm I, I don't want I'm, I hate that this is happening, but if it were going to happen, I'm glad it's at this time and not during football season. I can live without baseball and basketball and nhl like I, while i like the sports and while i watch them eh, i'm 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 in there but if if i was missing nfl games right now i would be going insane i would be going crazy right definitely now. big time i mean it's it's tough i mean i think like you said this doesn't hurt football but my big question is and i don't think it hurts basketball as much because they they're on a growth i think as soon as they come back they're going to continue to grow they're just like football just not grown as quickly but my thing is like, and NHL's not terrible, but can the MLB come back from something like this? They're already on the decline. They mm-hmm. had an offseason full of this crazy news. There was hype building up, and now everything stopped. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if baseball can ever come back from this. They're already only quarter filling the majority of their mm-hmm. stadiums. Will they be able to come back from this? I mean, like, and the bigger question is going to be like, when things start, going back to a sense of normalcy, how long will it take fans to actually want to be packed into stadiums sitting really close to people? You know what I mean? Like while everything will seem to be normal, how do you know that the person next to you is not carrying that virus? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how long it takes for people to to want to actually start packing stadiums once again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a little off topic, but I mean, you can't help but think of these things, especially with like, look at what it's doing to business around the U.S., around Canada, around wherever Mm -hmm. you live. Look at what it's doing Mm -hmm. like crazy. But yeah. yeah. All right. A somber Um, note to end. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately. But yes, it was a good episode. I'm glad we were able to get some free agency talk in the drafts in three weeks. We will have a draft show 
before then. Um, Probably to, a couple. We'll have an Eagles draft show and an NFL draft show. Yeah, we'll do a first round draft show and then um, the Eagles picks through the, through the seven rounds, even though I think they have eight, eight picks, none in the seventh, I think, though. So no. th- that'll be fun. Um, again, you can reach Connor at Connor TEN on Twitter. Uh, Connor10, that's at Connor TEN on Twitter. Uh, you can reach me at LJ Harrell 54 on Twitter. And then the Kelly Green Hour at Kelly Green Hour. Uh, interact. Um, one of us is always posting on there. Well, most of the time, always posting. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we're trying to interact with fans as best as possible. Uh, listen to us uh, on Anchor or where else are we on right now? Because we're working to get us everywhere. Um, we, we're, we're on Google Podcasts, Google, um, Google yeah. and Anchor. And let us know how we're doing, where we can improve. If you want to, if you have any questions for us to discuss, just let us know and we will. So for Connor, I'm LJ, everybody, please stay safe. And thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. <laughs>